Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Pastor Dave and Pastor Christopher and a team of people, we prayed for them last week. They're down in Medellin, Colombia, ministering down there. Um, from what I know, it's been a great time. God's done some amazing things. And uh, it's important that you know that one of the things that God has called Heartland to do um, as a house, so at some level, you have a role in that too. It may mean going, it may mean giving, it may mean praying, it may mean encouraging. But we are called to the nations. And um, that's a big deal. And uh, there's many of you in here that do go to the nations, which is amazing. It's amazing. So it's not just this one team. We have uh, constantly have teams going in and out and people going with different, even different ministries, which we love. And so, but, but missions and the nations is a big part of our heart here at Heartland. So they're off doing that. I think it's cool that we're willing to send our senior leader and let him go do those things. And uh, so because of that, I get the opportunity to speak to you guys this morning and fill in. So um, I am, I am, uh, yeah, thanks. All right. I'm a little, all right, golf clap. I'm a little, um, typically I don't like to show my cards like when you're up here preaching. You can say a lot of things that you don't need to say and it puts things in people's mind that you never needed to do. Every preacher wrestles with that. I think if you're a preacher you would understand that. Um, but today I do want to put out there on the front end, I just, I just want the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. And uh, I've, I've, I've tried to prepare how I feel like he wants me to. But I, I'm, I'm stirred in my heart today in the last few days and then just in the worship time today. How many of you enjoyed the worship time today? My goodness. I tell you what, tell you what, we're a little spoiled around here. Um, and like I said, I lead the worship department. We just have so many people that are amazing. If you want to know why God's presence shows up, yes, it's because of him. But um, Pastor Christopher's leadership over the years, for many years, he was the worship leader here. And what he instilled to our team years ago in having a heart for worship, it really has marked us. And so there's a priority um, as a team where we just, we want Holy Spirit to have his way in worship and we want to be yielded to that. And so it's one of our primary focuses. And I'm just so grateful to the Lord and to our team that that seems to happen on a pretty regular basis. And so that's a blessing. All right. So I've handed out um, compliments and thanks. And so uh, what I want to talk about today, um, you know, I, I, I've been pondering how many of you know uh, King Solomon in Ecclesiastes? He, um, he says, there's nothing new under the sun. That which has been is that which will be. There's nothing new under the sun. It's, a, it's an interesting statement. Um, and and, and I don't, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I personally, that's something I ponder fairly regularly, really. Um, and, I, and I'm, I can't even tell you that I have a, a super uh, amount of clarity on that personally. But I will tell you that there, part of that is tied to patterns. Uh, how many of you know that the enemy is not all that clever? 
but he, he does focus on the things that work, and he will try to bring those back up and around in our life, in the earth. Um, and he's, a buzzword here, we use this a lot, he's intentional, right? And that sounds like I'm really glorifying the enemy, and I'm not, but on the flip side of that, I am aware uh, that right now in the world, not just our nation, we, we are at a definitive, defining moment. And I say that as not somebody, you might go, well, oh man, he's probably got a backstory into that. There's so much tension in the air right now. I believe one of the primary things that is the enemy's trying to do is snuff out the voice of the church to silence it. I would say that most of you have probably gotten up some morning and was starting your day and maybe at the very beginning of your day you just feel this pressure, maybe discouragement, maybe the feeling of like, God, where are you in all this? And we are a church, of course, that for many years we, we have wanted revival. We've seen revival. We've contended for revival. And revival is, you know, I want to put out there that I understand that. How many of you know this is, the, this is when somebody says God's our only hope, that can have a lot of meaning behind it. It, it, it can actually be somebody abdicating their role. Well, yeah, God is our only hope, but how is God going to come from heaven to earth and manifest himself? Well, through you and I that are breathing air today, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, so that's one thing. But then also, um, it is a true statement. But it's always been true. There's never been a time in history where God hasn't been our only hope. And, and we need to be careful, okay? Now, hear my heart in this. I, I am not, I don't have all this figured out. But I am, I am deciding in my heart, in my life, over the last number of months that what I'm not going to do is sit on the sidelines. I am responsible for a response that God wants me and my family to have, and you are too. And let me just put out on the front end so we don't have to get, you know, confused about this. I am not talking about politics. So let's just cut that out, if we could. Everybody take a deep breath. Ooh, that feels good. We're no party today. We're God's party. Know what I'm saying? All right. So, yes, we are at a defining moment, and God is our only hope. My observation is, or what I feel like God's wanting me to bring an exhortation slash encouragement today to you is, I feel like we're in danger, church. And when I say church, I'm talking to Heartland today, but church as a whole, there is a lethargy and an apathy that is knocking at our door. It's knocking. 
And even in the midst of all the chaos that we see going on and feel, and that maybe we don't feel like we have any answers to, the enemy wants to lull us to sleep in the midst of chaos, which is interesting. Because chaos is very disruptive, and yet the enemy's wanting to lull us to sleep. Because if I looked you in the face and I said, Sir, in six months months from now, you will have an apathetic heart with no value for the word of God and you will have placed your priorities and everything but what God wants you to do. You go, no, I'm not. And I would believe you. But if little by little, we let the pressures and the cares of this world and the pressure of the enemy dull our soul, it's possible that we're in a moment where what is unique is the moment and time we live in. You know, I, I think that there's probably been some other times in some uh, nation's history, just look in the scriptures, um, you know, when we're talking about annihilation in one day, like freedom, freedom one day, no freedom the next day. Can we all agree we're not there yet? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? So there's definitely been people and nations and groups of people in in more dire moments than where we are. But what we don't want to do is go the way they did and participate in getting there. We need, we need an awakening. Church, we need an awakening. Here's the thing. We've talked about that a bunch of times over the years. That's not abnormal for us to say that. And this is what I feel like God's wanting me to try to encourage you with today. He has an answer. Revival's going to come. And he's going he's gonna to come back and visit this world again, obviously in the return of Christ. But before then, I believe, listen, I do not believe that our worst days are ahead of us. I'm sorry. I don't. The reason why I don't is is because I just don't see in Scripture um, where God says, you know what, you're going to go through a period of time and it's only going to be loss. Typically, what you see, I think the balance to that is it's going to be the best of times and the worst of times simultaneously. And where we align our hearts is going to determine what our experience or how it's lived out. Therefore... You and I have a choice to make, and that's directly tied to whether we will have influence participating in the kingdom of God coming to the earth and the salvation of souls and Jesus winning the battle and finishing this thing out well, or us abdicating, being lulled to sleep. Is God still good? Yes. But did you come up short of what he had for you in your life? It's possible. And I'm not saying that at you, because I got to stand before him too. So on the front end, I knew it was going to be like, you know, like I have a game show app on my phone and I use it in staff meetings. So like when somebody says something that's, you know, just okay, we like buzz them. It's kind of cool, really. It was free too. So we can all agree that the world is crazy right now. Sin is rampant. It's celebrated. Perversion feels like the norm. I 
Almost feels like the world's hungry for depravity, right? Because it is. Truth appears to be uncertain, irrational, and elusive. Whoever thought there would come a day, I am going to make a political statement here, but I, I think it's pretty basic. Whoever thought there would come a day where we were having any kind of serious conversation about if there's more than two genders. If I asked my three-year-old twins, if I cue that up in a way where they understand what, what I'm asking them, they're going to say, Daddy, there's boys and there's girls, and it's going to be about that simple. Just saying. There's not 72, in case you're wondering. I've seen that number out there. There's not 72. But seriously, truth appears to be uncertain, irrational, and elusive. What do we do? Now everybody's like, you know, right now, it's, if you guys were shouting me down, I'd be like, wow, this is, I mean, in a good way, if you're, um, I understand what I'm saying. I just want you to know that. But I feel like there's a level of sober-mindedness that we need to enter into today. Not to say the best is behind us. I, again, I want to state, I think the best is yet to come. I truly believe that. But I don't think we're going to be able to stay in a place of in or out anymore to experience that. I think those days are over. I think... I think choose this day whom you are serve, who you will serve is right in front of us. It always has been. But we can all agree that, and, and I am grateful, the level of freedom and liberty that we have experienced in this nation for, for centuries, now, now, is awesome. But it's our responsibility um, to participate with it in a way where we maintain that and keep it. Amen. And again, that's not really a political statement because freedom and liberty is a biblical concept. Amen. just happens to be that the United States has so far been the most successful project of that being implemented in the government of man. Does that make sense? So far. Okay. So... Turn with me to Jeremiah 18. We know that we need, we know that without God we're toast. Can we agree on that? Amen. Isn't that an awesome, I don't know what toast translates into in the Greek and Hebrew, but I bet it's great. <laughs> yeah. Right? All right. By the way, could we also agree that it's possible what we are facing because the world looks pretty out of control. And by the way, I, I just want to tell you that at no point did it ever change you and I's role in the situation. We're responsible for us. I am responsible for my family and before the Lord. It's nobody else's job. Therefore, the say that people get to have in our life Listen, I understand 
People go through really, really tough stuff. That's easy to say up here. I get that. But just hear my heart. Do you, we actually have more of a say in this thing than we think we do. And, and I, I feel like one of the ploys of the enemy is to just make people feel like everything's out of control. I have no say in the matter. Well, no wonder we get jacked up. Because when you feel like you're out of control, by definition, you, you don't feel like you have influence to make it better. So it, it's kind of a ripe atmosphere for that. All right? So if we can agree that we have a problem that we're trying to solve... That's not always a bad thing, by the way. You know, uh, the good news is, is we're called to be an answer to the problems in front of us. Okay? So, so if we're, if what we're talking about, that, that atmosphere, I would say then that they're, they're at, the, at the very least, there's a, there's a pretty significant opportunity to move into fear. Okay? These are all not good things, by the way. Everything I'm laying out so far, I understand is like, oh, man, you know, where's the hope in all this? But just bear with me for a second. Because, see, I feel like what's going on is, honestly, my assessment is, is listen, I've been in church my whole life. My whole life, which I'm grateful for. I am not saying that's a bad thing. I am grateful for that. But I've been around a while. And by God's grace, I've been able to see some things, participate in some wonderful moves of God's spirit. That wasn't a me thing. He brought me into it, just like he did you, if you've had that happen. It's all him, right? And that's, that's amazing. But we, we right now, okay, I, I, I feel like for some time, do, do you ever feel like when somebody's like, God's bringing breakthrough, or he's doing new things in the earth, do you ever have a moment where you're in agreement with that? And then, you know, however much time down the road, you're like, I didn't see any of that happen. If you're being honest, does, does anybody feel that way? Yeah. Raise your hand if you feel that way. Come on. You're willing to look around the room. Keep your hand up. Look around the room. Sorry, I won't keep doing that. Look around the room. All right. So admittedly, I could say, well, that's because you're immature, John. And if that's, the, if that's what it needs to be, we'll just do that. Okay. But for the sake of the discussion, and because other people felt that way, I feel like what God wants to do today is try to give us some clarity on what we can actually do partnered with him right now. Each one of us. Where you don't leave today and you go, you know what, another nice message. And there's nothing that changes. Now, I'm not, that's not a knock on anybody else that shares up here. I mean, I, I think we do. But just overall... It's, it just feels like there's something that has to move. It has to change. Now, there are good things happening in the earth, and I've purposely not talked about those because I want us to have clarity on what we're talking about today. Go with me to Jeremiah 18. I'm going to try and read through this quick. Okay? Jeremiah 18. And... I'm just going to start to read verse 1, and I think we'll go down to verse 11. The word, of, the word which came to Jeremiah from the, from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel, that's a container that, that holds something, 
that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look at this, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plan it. If it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Now therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. Okay, so I decided to read that whole portion um, just because I think it gives us a context of how in control of this thing God really is. I think we can agree that none of this stuff catches him off of guard. Is he, is he grieved by it? Does he want it to happen? No. But is he caught off guard by it? No. And he has the authority and the power to change the situation in a moment. What I want to do is talk about that, that visual, the analogy of a potter molding clay. Because I feel like what God, God's speaking to me about is he's applying, okay, he's, he's talking about a nation there. But I actually feel like that's a great picture of how we can live our life with God. You know, we've, there's different songs about being the potter and the clay and all that stuff. And, it, and that's all great. But I really feel like um, what God was talking to me about was this is something that right now, if you feel like, how do we make a difference? How do we bring change? Well, it's going to take each one of us getting on the potter's wheel and letting him begin to form and reshape us and making us into the vessel that he wants us to be so that then together... There's not, there's not one vessel that fits the bill for everything, right? And of course, we know with a potter, it's artistic, so there's creativity, so that means it's going to be unique. But here's the thing. I feel like what God, is, what God wants to encourage us with is get on that wheel. You're clay. Get up on that wheel and let me begin to mold you and shape you. Now, there's many of us in this room that are in different places in that stage and process. You might be like, uh, today, you might be feeling like, I'm that marred piece of clay and, and God just has to start over. He's good and he'll do that and he wants to. You're not too far gone. There isn't no hope for you. He wants to form you and mold you into what he wants you to become. For others of us in here, Maybe, maybe you've been on that wheel and God's been trying to work. He's been trying to get a form in you. 
but you're dried out. I don't know if you've ever, I, I like going, when we go to the fair and we'll go into the different arts places, the clay place, I always get stopped if somebody's spinning the clay. Because I just, I look at that and I'm like, man, just the technique and how delicate it is and how you have to know exactly how to hold your fingers to make a certain, it's, it's amazing, it's just interesting to me. You wouldn't want me to do that, by the way, because you'd still end up with a lump at the end of the day. Just be like, well, there's a lump of clay. And I'd overcharge for it. So, <laughs> But I'm telling you, one of the things that God wants to begin to talk to us about is that process of him shaping us. And, and I feel like what he's showing me is, is look, this is a process where I don't, I don't make it, I don't, I don't make you as a vessel and be like, then I'm done. Like it's an ongoing project. And, and as, as we allow him to do that, possibilities open up for him and he begins to shape us in a new way. You know, think about your journey in God, okay? It, think about how you normally um, interact with that. At times, at times we can be like, well, what's my calling? You know, I just got to figure out my calling and all this stuff. And I think that there's an element where God's like, no, just, just stay in that place of intimacy. Stay on, that, stay on that place where I can form you, mold you, and shape you into becoming what you need to be. Keep your focus on you and where you need to. Let me, let me develop you. Let me shape you so that you can be what you need to be. I want to shape you into the vessel that you need to be. And, and I guess what I'm saying uh, through that today is, is we cannot keep believing and praying for arbitrary prayers. That's, that, that is a, I understand that, that that can be a scary statement, but hear my heart in that. Our lives have to land in this earth. They have to make an impact. The kingdom has to be displayed through us. Otherwise, we're falling short. And if it's left up to me and my grand plan, that vessel's going to not be able to hold anything. But if I'll get up on that spinning wheel and I'll let, the, I'll let the potter get his hands around me and begin to shape me. When we become molded into the image that he wants us to be, that fear begins to go away. Wherever your position in life, you begin to find yourself carrying what God intended for you. And so those things that have been overwhelming in the past that maybe have even kept you from starting where God has called you to. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about, I'm not talking about a ministry. I'm talking about being a good dad and a faithful husband. I'm talking about getting up every day and cultivating intimacy with God and just doing it day in and day out because then you look back over time and you go, God, I knew you. And there was moments where you, you, you led my heart. And that day something amazing happened. I had no idea it was going to happen. But that day was a monumental day. And I look back and I see what you did. But day in and day out, I was on the wheel. You were shaping me. You were molding me. And I was doing what you wanted me to do. And when you put the culmination of your life together and then our life together, we find ourselves Involved in the earth the way that God has called us to be. My mind just works where I can't, I can't just hear like, hey, there's this big place. It doesn't work anymore. There's too much going on to be like, yeah, God, 
God does have a plan, but it's you, it's me. It's him operating through us. It's him shaping us and molding us. And we have a responsibility in this thing. Here's the awesome part. We're not on our own. I'm a lump. If I'm left to make my, if I'm, if I'm left to shape it, I'm a lump. You're going to get the same thing. It, it might have a little like cone pattern to it. You know, I overdid, I was too, too aggressive. I don't know, but it's not going to work. We don't get the opportunity. Listen, please hear my heart today. It, it, I was alluding to being a good daddy and a good husband. If you need any, if you need any um, just talk to my wife if you want to know if I'm in progress there. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Okay? How many of you were here last week for when Brad and Kim were with us? Raise your hand. What a great picture. What they didn't share, if I remember right, they might have. What they didn't share was, I think if I remember right, before they responded to what God was asking them to do and going to the mission, if I remember right, Brad was a pretty successful architect. Did he share that by chance? I think that's right. Somebody nod at me if you know that. It is? Okay, thank you. Now, here's the thing. What I'm talking about today, see, even that can be a little bit of a trap. Because Brad and Kim responded to what God was calling them to do. But that doesn't mean he's saying, hey, shut your business down and, and go to Europe with your family. He might. He might. But we don't want to let false uh, narratives cause us to have a, not even be willing to have a conversation. What she was talking about last week was whatever God is putting you in your heart to do and calling you to and asking you to have a response. Do it. That's one of the things she was emphasizing. Why does that matter? Because as we're living in a chaotic world and we can do our day in and day out and we can talk about it. Listen, I'd love to tell you that as a church, we, we talk about this stuff with, um, with a really good positive outlook, except for that would be a lie. I, I'm... Yes, there's times where I hear people have hope, but oftentimes it's complain about everything that's going on. I've done this too. And then we, then we talk about how, you know, God's going to fix it and he's good. I'm just telling you that ain't going to work anymore. If you start looking at the statistics, I don't want to be this guy, but I'll, I'll just touch on it for a second. I don't know if you know this or not. But they talk, about, they talk about how, in, in, in alarming numbers, that the church, now there's denominations and places that are growing, okay? Heartland's growing. Praise the Lord. But, but we're part of a bigger thing than just our own church. And we have responsibility, the body of Christ as a whole, Right? Things are on the decline to a certain degree in America. At the very least, 
People are deciding that they no longer identify themselves with Christianity. And that thing of we're a Christian nation is not really statistically so much true anymore. We're heading in the wrong direction. I went to a country one time for um, a youth conference. And before we went, the, it was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Because they are like, it's a Christian nation. 95% Christian. I was like, wow, so why are we going? No, I'm just kidding. But I did think about that. I'm like, that's really awesome. And if I'm being truthful with you, I think I might have thought, this, might, this will probably be easy. Except for when we got there. We were there for a, um, a youth conference for the whole island, the whole nation. And uh, so there's 600, 600 teenagers gathered in this room. It's hotter than the, I don't know. It's hot. We'll just say it that way. I'm up there sweating. It's still a monarchy, so the king and queen are sitting over there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, we're told all these things. Um, and then you stay there for two weeks, and you realize, well, nope, actually, I understand we say we're a Christian nation, but there was an incredibly high amount, high levels of teenage pregnancy. It was kind of running rampant, really. It was, and then you start to hear about the things that they're dealing with when you're ministering in the altars with people. You know, I'm, we're making time for them to have an encounter with God, and, you know, people are sharing some stuff that would indicate, well, maybe 95% of the country isn't. When I say, not Christian, but you just understand what I'm saying by that. When somebody says, we're 95% Christian, that, that, that should look like something and not the other stuff that was going on, if that makes sense. Anyway, we, uh, that was interesting. But in our country, see, even that, you all, you all know that. You all know that. I didn't tell you anything you didn't know. Why I'm up here today is I'm saying literally, what are we going to do about it? I'm not saying it at you. I'm just saying as, you know, I thought about saying on the front end, hey, let me take my pastor hat off today. Sometimes I tell people that in meetings. Let me take my pastor hat off because I'm just John. I'm, I'm one of your brothers in Christ who is in process as well in my walk with God. So nothing I'm saying today is, is at you. But we, we need to get a clarity on where we are. And I, I think God is saying, listen, there's influence that awaits you. If I was to say today, um, well, I got a prophetic word for you. I would say, there's influence that awaits you that you currently haven't occupied. For some of you, it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because it's not the right time. For some of you, it's because you have taken your foot off the gas. You have gotten off the wheel. You haven't let the master continue to shape you and mold you. You're a dry piece of clay. And he wants to inject some life into you. The water of the spirit... He wants, to, he wants to get you loose again, so to speak, so that the master can begin to reshape and continue on in his process. And, you know, I, I, this is, I, admittedly, this is going to sound a little weird. But if you have had, okay, how many of you would, would raise your hand and say, I have had a significant moment with God where I cannot deny his existence, his love for me, his, um, that he's real, 
for me to deny that, uh, I, I would be a liar. Raise your hand if you've had that happen. Okay, look around the room. If you haven't, it's okay. Look around the room. All right. Then you know that you've already at least tasted the full reward of what he has for us. I think sometimes what can paralyze us is we don't start because we're looking at something bigger. And a lot of times it's what we feel like we're called to. I'm going to use that loosely. Just hear me. You know, ministry, this is, this is what I think God has for me. And I feel like God is like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I've said that, but you got to understand something. It comes out of our relationships. It comes out of me molding you. It comes out of the day in and the day out of you experiencing my presence and getting to know me as your father. It comes out of you in, in interacting with me and receiving. <laughs> okay, it's like I would say it this way. So let's say, just hear my heart for a second. Let's say there's those of you sitting in this room and you've used the ministry that you haven't started or you haven't fully stepped into as an excuse to not be effective where you currently are. Let's say that's a thing. Okay, let's make it personal. Let's say that I fall into the trap of using my position as a pastor to not fully participate actively day in and day out in all that God has for me and how he wants to grow me. And I start to use it as a excuse because I've taken my eye off the prize. Do you remember the song that we sang at the end? I set my eye on the prize that is Jesus Christ. You know, when we start talking about how are we going to shift and change culture, in our, in our environment, we can start talking about finding your calling, your passion, your pur purpose, and listen, you'd have to, for those of you that don't know me well, I'm all about that stuff. I really am. But I'm not if it replaces the prize that is Jesus Christ and growing in that interaction with him and then day in and day out, you being effective in the now and him using you today and what he has for you today. Because when I said earlier, I said, hey, we as the church can be like, yeah, God's going to do something. And we all got good hearts. We believe that. And I'm not trying to force. Notice how I haven't been using the terminology revival. I, but I just, I just happen to believe that we are a revival waiting to happen as we encounter God as we, as we step into that place with him, with intentionality, and we begin to believe that, you know what, life was, life was not made for just the routine. Uh, it, he wants us to have some adventure in our life. But listen, it's not on our own. Listen, if it's left up to me, I'm not stepping out on my own. I, if it's left up to John without, without connection to God, what do I end up with? I'm still selfish. I still do what I want to do. 
I still pass up the person in Walmart that God told me to stop and talk to because I'm scared. And what we have to ask ourselves is this today. Boy, I feel mean, but I, I'm happy. <laughs> truly, truly, I'm happy. What, what I'm frustrated about, if I could say I was frustrated about something is, and I've seen it in my own life, I feel like, I feel like the enemy has wanted to really take off the focus of what is available to us. Because what I'm talking about is nothing we can do on our own. But we do have to say yes. We have to get on the potter's wheel. And we have to say, God, you can mold me, shape me, and do whatever you want to do. And I'm fully aware that I can't do it without him. I can't. Some of you that have known me a long time, you might go, I have seen you at times when you were a little disconnected from the Holy Spirit. And it ain't great. You know, I'm just saying, it might be possible. <laughs> I feel this. I don't like using I feel all the time because who cares? Facts aren't feelings. Let's, let's take a look at, um, let's go to Psalm 1 real quick. Be a good time to read some scripture again. What is available to us? I believe, man, I cross paths with most of you on a pretty regular basis. And I, and I sincerely mean this. My church family, there is some amazing, you guys, I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you. And you are awesome people. And I sincerely mean that. Truthfully, I, I truly mean that. You, you guys, there's so many wonderful people, wonderful families here. And, I, and I, there's so many of you that I admire, and you are an encouragement to me and my family, sincerely. There's more for us, church. And some of you are like, I, that sounds good, but define that for me. Let's, let's read a little bit. Psalm 1, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 1 through 6, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Some translations say every season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Takes a hard turn here real quick. Bible's probably a lot better at saying what I'm trying to say than I'm saying it. You know, it's just a thought. No matter what the translation is. Okay, verse 4. The ungodly are not so. Back up to the end of verse 3. Whatever he does shall prosper. Let's just use that line. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so. Now, ungodly, I'd say that's a key word there. Are there things in our life that we're doing that we've made acceptances for that I've just, over time, it's dulled down and they're ungodly? Because if that, if that is a thing, I want to encourage you today, get on the potter's wheel 
Why? Because you are called to produce fruit. Our lives are called to matter. We are to be full of the Holy Spirit so that when people in our lives, whether family, friend, or stranger, needs an encounter with God, we can step in and be the conduit. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Listen, Psalm 1 is not subjective to what is going on around us. We are called to be planted firm in who we are. Producing fruit. It's not based on what's going on around us. I don't, if I'm abdicating my influence because of fear or a situation, then I'm coming up short of what God has for me in that situation. If you if you're walking around in today's world and you're more on the side of fear than faith, you have lost influence. Whatever you fear, you cannot influence for the good. What do we need right now? Go to Galatians 5. Verse 22. What does it look like to be Psalm 1 people producing fruit? Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've got up on the pottery wheel. They've let the maker take over and shape whatever needs to be shaped. Cut away the excess. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We, this is what I was telling the Holy Spirit as I was just looking back through my notes today. I found myself saying, God, this is going to sound a little weird since I just talked for 40 minutes. kind of scared me but it kind of encouraged me I found myself saying because I like I told you hey put in the time do don't just fly by the seat of your pants type of thing and some of you might go well it looks like you did that today and I would understand that if you felt that way but that's okay I found myself this is the prayer that I found myself kind of saying to God today God More than, more than whatever I can say or share, let us walk out with something tangible, something that we can latch on to you for, something that produces fruit 
outside of this window of time we had today. I spend a lot of time, and I've experienced this in my own life, I spend a lot of time talking with people where they don't even realize it, but they're coming with the things that they're going through, and we're just reporting on what the enemy's done. That's, that's not that hard to figure out. But where are the ones who in the midst of trials, circumstances, testing, fire, whatever it is, where are the ones that will begin to believe my life, I'm called to be molded and shaped by the potter. A piece of clay on its own has really no value. The potter shapes you. That's a process. But listen, there comes a point in time where he brings the fire. To, to set what he shaped and what he molded. And I think that what God wants to do today is bring a clarity for some of us in here. And he sets some things in order. And we quit doing the cycles of life where it's like, yay God, sin. Yay God, sin. Yay God, I can't live victoriously. And I don't, I don't, I understand that can be really disheartening and discouraging, but the enemy's, he is peddling a false narrative. What God tests and tries by fire, what he comes and burns out of us by fire, like he doesn't, he doesn't say, here's, here's my presence, here's my deliverance, here's my promise for you, for us to cede territory in our life again. It's got to stop. And the only way it does is not some preacher getting up here and yelling at that, or it comes by the Holy Spirit it comes by intimacy. It comes by being shaped, molded, and God going, I've, I've did some things in you, and I'm setting that by my fire so that stays in place and stays in order. I believe that, as Pastor Dave said last week, he's like, I don't like to do time frames, uh, relationships, uh, he was talking about prophecy. You know, what do you avoid with prophecy? Like, don't do the relationships things, you know, ton of risks there. <laughs> anyway, um, so I just think that for, for many in this room, there's an opportunity to see major, major, I want to emphasize, major shifts and changes in some things in our lives that have looked like immovable barriers soon. Maybe even today. And I feel like Holy Spirit is, what he's looking for is a yes. If you would, just go ahead and bow your heads for me real quick. Holy Spirit, 
Come with your fire. God, we are not, as your word says, we are in this world, but not of this world. So whatever whatever is going on right now in the earth, we know there's two realities. Yes, we are living in serious times, and we need you. But the greater reality is, is you have everything we need. And God, if we will humble our hearts, if each one of us will check our heart and allow the Holy Spirit to come, get his hands around the vessel, our life, the container that we are called to be to carry God's presence, if we'll let the Holy Spirit come and begin to shape that in a greater way. We've been settling for false finish lines, I feel like, in some areas. And I'm asking Holy Spirit today that you would show us where those areas are whether it would be our relationship with our spouse, our kids, our work ethic, stepping out, sharing Christ with others, wherever the enemy has caused us to believe a lie and abdicate our influence that you've called us to have, I ask Holy Spirit that you would begin to expose that all over this room. Expose it in me. We were made to carry your glory. We were made to be a solution to the problems in this earth. You are breathing because you were made to carry God's presence and bear his image. We're here because he still has work that he wants done. We're it. We're it. Too many times, too many times where I, I'm not putting it on you, where I have looked to the right or left, and I, don't, I don't think God's talking to me about that. I, there's got to be somebody else. What if we all, what if we all partner with Holy Spirit what if we all partner with Holy Spirit and fear begins to go by the wayside and apathy begins to go by the wayside and he begins to change our appetites and our areas of focus and our desire for him begins to increase? What if that begins to happen and we find ourselves responding day in and day out to the Holy Spirit? What happens if we each begin to do that? What would it look like in our communities, in our families in a greater way. Listen, I'm not saying that we're not doing that to a degree, but I'm telling you that if you can look around and the narrative right now is, is the enemy's the one that's got the, the margin of victory, then I'm telling you there's work to do. That's what I'm saying.
And I'm saying within that, there's an awesome encounter to be had because we can't manufacture anything. We can't manufacture what we need to see in the earth. It has to be pure. It has to be a pure flow. And God, I just feel like, I just feel like God is... that he would grant to each of you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that as we're being rooted and grounded in love that we begin to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I declare that over each one of us today. Holy Spirit, I ask as we leave this place, would you, would you give us a hunger for more of you? I thank you, Lord, the person that is the most hungry for you in this room. We don't know who that is, but you do. And I thank you for their unbelievable hunger. But I'm asking that you give them more. And to the person that feels like they have no desire to know God, I'm asking that you would give them a desire to know you. And every person in between, as we go from this place, let there be an awareness of what you want to communicate to us through intimacy, God, that you're not silent, that you don't leave us up to our own to figure this thing out, but you're going to speak and you're going to speak clearly in the coming days. And Lord, you have a response that you desire for us to give. I'm asking for the grace for each one of us to begin to see that. I'm asking for a tenacity to rise up on the inside of us. And God, that we would understand that this is not an hour to shrink back but this is an hour to take ground to reveal the glory of God. And Lord, I thank you for all the things that you're doing in the earth. That yes, there's challenges, but there's an opportunity to see your glory manifest in the earth more than any other time we've seen. Because God, we need you. Yes. We need you. Yes. We need you, God. We don't have what it takes without you. I can't preach good enough. I can't love good enough. But God, you are saying you don't have to do it on your own. That's where the enemy's been lying. You're not on your own, saints. You're not on your own. You're not an orphan. You're a son. You're a daughter. Before I knew you, I formed you. Every feature that you have, I was aware of before you took your first breath. You're mine. You don't even know what you can carry. But see, you bear his image. And he, when, when God looks down in heaven, do you remember what he sees? He sees his son in you. In me. God, I'm asking, Lord, 
as the coming days, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that we would, Lord, that we would become so sensitive to your spirit. God, let courage be awakened on the inside of us. I thank you for those that are running like thunder right now. And I'm asking God that you would use them as a catalyst, not only in our body, but in this region. God, thank you for those in the body of Christ that are stepping up and they're speaking out. And God, there's a tidal wave of purity that's getting ready to hit this nation again. And I believe, God, that the days of perversion being glorified are coming to an end. Impurity and holiness are going to be the thing that's desired again and people are going to say no more no more is this thing going to consume my family consume me wreck my relationship with God I believe that holiness is getting ready to visit our nation again and right now there's an opportunity to decide to initiate it you have a decision in this thing I can either yield or I can resist. And that's the reality. There's no in between. And we need to be honest with ourselves. God graces the ability to step. We don't want to resist. I don't want to resist, God. But you know where I do. And I'm asking you to come to each one of us. Listen, come underneath, God. Submit your heart even now. I can feel resistance. I can feel there is, a, there is a religious spirit in this room right now. And I'm just telling you, it's not one person. It's the enemy saying, don't do this. Don't lean in. Don't, don't go for it. Don't put everything in the middle. Don't give your all to God. And I'm telling you, it's killing our nation. And it ain't up to the person to the left or the right. And it ain't up to the preacher. Get on the pottery wheel and let him mold you. And shape you. There ain't much time. This thing that he's going to do, he's going to do quickly. I want you, to, I want you to, to do business with the Lord. And I want you to, he's saying, come underneath my lordship and my covering. There's a war going on right now. Right now in this moment. If, just hear my heart. If you'll lean in right now, I'm telling you. There, everything you hoped for. I feel like even now, God is this, I don't understand this, but there's people in this room where adulthood has been a nightmare for you because of your childhood and God wants to go back and fix it now. The whole thing. You look at, you look at what's been molded and you don't, you look at other people and you go, wow, look at that. You look at yourself and you go, it's a lump of clay. We're not on our own. We're not on our own. Hear me. We're not on our own. 
God is not calling us to have a response. He's not saying, pull up your bootstraps, grin it, and go with everything you can muster. We have nothing on our own, but we're not on our own. God, God, burn that into our hearts today, God. I don't want to... I don't want to fall short, God. I don't want my neighbors or whatever's going, I don't want them to see no hope in me. I want them to see there's something different about the Huffies. I don't know what they have, but I want it. What are we doing this for? Why are you here? You don't, you don't, you don't understand. You, we don't understand when, when God talks about his glory and us carrying it. What we're going to do, I know that I don't, I know there's many of you that need to go. That is totally fine. Go underneath, go underneath God's presence today. Go underneath the awareness that the glory of the Lord is coming to homes for those who will make room for him. Men, dads, fathers. Leave here today understanding that you are the priest of your home. 
your heavenly father has an encounter for you. You are made to carry his glory. If you need to go, you can go. I don't, I want as to be as dis, least disruptive as possible, but obviously you got to pick up stuff and go. Go ahead and do that. We need to get the kids. I apologize for keeping us late. But we're going to just continue to let God do what he wants to do. I don't want any music. I don't want, I just want to give him space. I bless you today. Love you. Have an amazing day of rest. Father, we're asking now for more. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, for an impartation of holiness. I see families being, I see whole families where innocence is being restored to the whole families. The whole family. Generations of brokenness being made whole. Now. For some of you, your family's been known in a community. I don't understand this. A community. Your, your family is, is one of notoriety, and it ain't been good. And it's defined your family. I'm telling you, God is reversing that. He's going to visit your family, and your family is going to become known. I don't understand. I don't know the size of the town. I just know it's some sort of a town. There may be multiple people in here. That's pretty, pretty wide range. I'm telling you, God's going to restore honor to your family in your town. Your family, which has been known for all kinds of not good things, God is going to restore back to you honor to your family's name because your family is going to carry his presence. There are those of you in this room today This is a little interesting Just stay in that place if you are having a moment with God then you just keep doing you There's been a tearing of affections. There's been, it's like I see you, I see you being a lover, just a lover of God, a pure lover of God, like a, just a purity about your love and affection for God. But then I see like this tearing, there, there, there's this thing, there's this thing that the enemy's done and I, I feel like it has to do with a relationship. I feel like it's, it's been inappropriate in, na in nature. And it's come and it's torn. It's divided 
your soul is divided. And God wants to come and put your soul back together. He wants you whole and complete. He misses, he misses those moments with you. He's not angry, but he misses those moments with you. He doesn't want there to be a tearing anymore, a dividing of, of affection. And I don't understand that, but I feel like that there, it applies to more than just that one that I had a little bit in. So there's been a dividing of affections, and God is calling us back to first love. But why would he do all this? God restores all things. Many of you in this room today, you look at periods of your life and you, you feel like, how could God make anything of that? It's, it's just pain. When you look at it, it's just pain. Even those of you, you've, you know the Lord. You, you know the Lord. You're walking with him. He wants to put his fingers around that area. He wants to touch it. He wants to heal it. And then he's going to give you authority over it. There's, when you use the term many, that can be a little weird. But there's several in this room. You just, you have been battling a fear of going all in for God. And I'm not just talking about a relationship with him. You already have that. It's similar to the rich young ruler. Jesus went after the one thing because he wanted to know, do I have all of you? The rich young ruler failed to understand that giving everything to God meant opening up endless possibilities and that he could ever know currently. But he couldn't see it because he had a, a love and affection for his possessions, his wealth. And I feel like for some of us in here today, God has been trying to get you to give him something. I don't understand what that is, but the enemy has lied to you. And he's, he's caused you to believe that the price isn't worth it, if I could speak frankly. You know it's a lie because you've seen God's goodness, but you, but you currently have bought into that. And I want to tell you something. 
as in just hear my heart in this. Everything you were made for and that you hope for comes from God's hand, his provision on your life. There's nothing, anything he asks of you in this moment or what he's asking for you, whatever that thing is, there's nothing that he's asking for you to give him that's worth keeping from what he wants to give back to you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.